Hello and welcome to Sober Town. This is King 13 with you today aboard the train and about to ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. And I just want to give a shout out, guys. When you finished listening to our wonderful podcast, which is going to be uh, today about addictions and cross addictions, yes. It's a very interesting topic, and I've got a very interesting guest here um, who's going to help us along and, and share with us exactly what he has found. But here at Sober Town, you know, a lot of contributors from the I Am Sober community um, have, you know, just basically given their time to provide tools so that you guys can remain sober and you can read other people's brave stories. There's Todd's blogs, all scientific evidence there. Um, about what happens to the brain and body when alcohol actually is, you know, inside of it. There's also book reviews. There's so many things. There's everything to help you. In fact, we've got uh, Sobertown's first birthday coming up in a day or two, which is lovely. This time last year, it was just being completely born. And the I Am Sober app also, guys, is a great app that I belong to and so do most of the contributors or all of us and my guests. And it's a free app that you download. It counts your alcohol-free days. You can get an account, do a, a, an anonymous name, um, post and comment and make friends, and that way you'll get all the support that you need. So now getting back to Cross Addictions, my guy today, he's, um, he's a funny bloke, and him and his wife are very involved in the community, and they do a lot for it. And I just want to um, say a warm, warm welcome to Armin. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, King. How are you? I'm good. And it's so refreshing. You know, I've had, this is my second podcast today with guys, and it's really cool to get men's opinions because I, and I will be the first to confess right here, right now, have had, as I'm realizing, I thought I had one really bad cross addiction, but I think I've had other things beyond that that now I realize, are they a cross addiction or are they not? But food for me, number one, it should have been running or health. It hasn't (laughs) been. So that's with me. What's with you? What's going on with you? Well, I've had <clears throat> I've had the opportunity of juggling three different addictions. Um, so in those addictions, I, you know, I in the beginning I always thought I could I could figure this out by myself. Yeah, I can I can do it. I can control myself. Mind over matter. You know, just uh, taking charge of who I am. And I thought my will was really strong. But that was um, honestly my addict mind telling me I can do everything. Mm. And I don't need community. I don't need support. I don't need professionals. I don't need to research. I can figure this out. Who knows me better than me? So I struggled for a very long time. in between these three addictions. Um, One of them was sex addiction, which was pornography online. Mm -hmm. The other was gambling online or gaming. I mean, I would spend thousands and thousands of dollars for for things that really didn't even matter. Uh, And the third was um, my ADHD medication because um, a good 10, to 15 pills of 54 milligrams of Concerta, which is the strongest you can get, will really definitely numb you up. And you develop a cross addiction with that 
to alcohol because alcohol's never been my thing. Um, it's it's you know always been part of my life. I was in college. I drank. Never had an issue. Um, did a ton of drugs. Never had an issue. But the pills really numbed out my feelings, and so did the gaming, and so did the the pornography. And I came to realize that these were all addictions I had developed throughout my entire lifetime to deal with the trauma that I didn't think I had. Right. Uh, whether it was childhood trauma, adulthood trauma, I went through three years ago, I went through a big, huge custody battle uh, with my ex-wife for my son out of nowhere. And this was after being divorced for six or seven years and for her to take me to court and um, claim that I was in my son's life for over 10 years, which was completely false. So I had to drop everything, um, drop work, drop everything, my relationship, everything, and just focus on <clears throat> the research, getting everything to my attorneys, having to deal with the courts, um, paying legal fees. Um, so it took a lot out of me. And because I was going through these emotional traumas of, you know, betrayal and, um, you know, just, just being hurt. And, uh, and my ex, knowing that my son was my only Achilles, uh -huh. she, she struck me right where it hurt. And that, that ignited all of these um, sleeping monsters that I had throughout my years that were not an issue because I could still operate. I, I think as addicts, we all have had that time where we're functioning uh, addicts, whether we're alcoholics or gamblers or whatever it is, mm -hmm. we consider ourselves functioning and we don't see any problems with the actual addiction. We don't even think it's an addiction. So, um, I went through a really tough time. I went through a big depression. And during that time, I over-medicated, of course, because that kept me from crying, uh, from having to deal with my emotions. It kept me from expressing how I felt because it was too tough for me to express right. how I actually felt and, mm -hmm. and the pain that I felt. And I turned to these three addictions and they got larger than life. And now my focus, my only survival tool were these three addictions. And I would pawn one off for the other, thinking, well, you know, I've given, given up the porn. It's not a big deal. But yet I'm spending hours and hours and thousands of dollars on gaming, buying, buying tokens, whether it was a casino game or um, some sort of game where I needed upgrades. It was, it was just ridiculous, but it made, it made sense to me at that time. I said, well, you know, I'm avoiding this. What's, you know, what's gaming? I mean, it's harmless. You know, I'm just entertaining myself. Mm. And that was my story of I'm entertaining myself. But really, it was the addict mind that just did not want to sit in what I realize now, which are emotions. Mm, mm. And at the end of the day, look, it's one thing. It's compulsion, 
right? Whatever we're doing, yes. it's a compulsion that we can't stop. I'm just going to read out just for the folks listening the definition here that the druggeryhat.com has given online. And it says cross addiction, a pattern of replacing one addiction with another that has similar effects is a common risk for people addicted to a harmful substance or behaviour. This can include addictions to multiple substances or <clears throat> pleasure-inducing behaviours such as eating, sex, shopping and gambling. So that's basically, and you you basically said the same thing there yourself very, very well because a lot of us found when we, and you said that yours didn't really start off as um, alcohol-based, when you started sort of, you know, seeking out whatever it is that you were doing. Whereas a lot of us on the I Am Sober app, it was our primary. Um, so that's interesting. Is there, did you, did you have an okay your childhood and everything? Did you have a lot that you put down? Oh, no. I, I was, uh, as far as childhood was concerned, I was born in uh, Tehran, Iran, yeah. during the war. So even in the womb, there were bombings happening. There was mm. a military taking over. The, the king, the Shah had left Iran. He, he fled with his family and the military took over, which was ran by um, Khomeini, uh, which was extremely difficult. And to this day, I can recall, even as a small child, two, three years old, every single detail about being woken up in the middle of the night hearing the sirens, uh, there were heat-seeking missiles being thrown at us, so mm -hmm. we had to have the lights off. We couldn't stay in, the, in our homes. We had to go in the middle of the street because if the missile hit the building, we would be stuck under it. So, I mean, can you imagine as a child growing up in this traumatic experience? And it's known that the first seven years of a child's life Mm. Um, depending on trauma or nurture, uh, depicts the addictions that they go towards or the non-addictions that they go towards in their life as adults. And not only did I have that traumatic experience, but I also had um, parents that really were not suited to be parents. Even when we fled and migrating, came to America as immigrants and even going through the citizenship and, um, you know, changing schools and, and learning a new language, I, I could see that my parents couldn't cope as well. So they developed their own addiction. Mm. Uh, my mm. father was a workaholic. I, I mean, I would barely see him. My mother was a shopping, uh, she was a shop addict. She had the compulsory, I mean, to... If money came in, it had to go out with her buying stuff. And this is way before Amazon. This is during the QVC <laughs> times. Like the before home Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as it started, mum was on it, right? <laughs> yeah. So I grew up seeing the two people that I would have to mm. look towards for guidance that they really didn't have their shit together. Right. And... Not only did I have to deal with that trauma, but also the whole family aspect of it as well. I mean, just my parents fought constantly. I mean, verbally, physically, in every kind of way you could possibly think of, from running each other over with a car 
to chasing each other with knives in the house. It was insane. That's how I grew up. And during that time that I can go back and try to remember as a child, seeing these things happening, what I would do is I would close off my emotion. Right, exactly. I would numb myself whether I hid somewhere or I did something to just pretend I'm not there. Yeah, you just have to. Yeah, you you do. You remove yourself from the situation just emotionally and completely and then physically. And what that does is it doesn't help you develop no, it doesn't. The tools that you need as an adult when life becomes life. Right. You know? And, oh. you know, if I had learned the coping mechanisms that were healthy for me in my childhood or were guided in certain ways or was, um, you know, if I had seen my parents, you know, going through marital problems, if they had sought help, counseling, something, to show me an example of if you have a problem in life, it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to seek professional help and to really take the time to make your life right. And I didn't see that. And because I didn't see that, there were so many times in my life um, that things would happen. And my ultimate thing was to numb myself out, whether it was disassociation, Mm-hmm. Um, because I became a big time loner. I had friends. I had friends all throughout school, even college at my fraternity brothers, but I never really kept close with them. And I fended for myself. And what ended up happening is um, I called that alter ego MacGyver. Now, MacGyver. <laughs> I remember MacGyver. Saved, yeah, yeah. MacGyver saved me. MacGyver was able to get me out of harm's way within an instant, you know. He'd be able to put a pen and, a, you know, a plastic rubber band together and create a bomb to get out of, you know, the prison he's in. So that then taught me not to be truthful uh-huh. and not to be honest, give people the answer that they expect. Uh-huh. And that never allowed me to really be authentic with myself. Mm. And because I wasn't authentic, I only assumed my identity based on my addictions. Yeah. You know? And I, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing, here's the thing, you know, with even with you've got, I think whether we've got the one addiction or the multiple, the thing is, we've, you know, we've got it regardless. It's almost relevant what, what the addiction is, apart from obviously alcohol because that, but the other ones like the gaming, the ones that don't physically affect your body, but just, you know, obviously your mind, but it does really because they're sitting around and you're getting bigger and they say that it's actually really unhealthy and gaming is huge. You know, when I interviewed um, that Donna um, Anna Lemke from Dopamine Nation, she was talking about this, that we're addicted to the dopamine chase all yes. the time. You know, we can't get a quick enough, high enough fix. Yes, I, I actually did a lot of research before I talked and listen to different different angles of professionals, whether it was TED Talks, yeah. whether it was Abraham Hicks, whether it was you know, Gigi, whether it was Sadhguru, whatever it was, I looked at different angles of what addiction does to us. What is the main cause of an addiction? One of the most interesting things that I found throughout this research was that our dopamine levels, our maximum 
allowable normal, what we consider normal functioning human being without any addiction, um, without any negative addictions, you know, with any addictions that create a negative outcome, our maximum dopamine level is 100. So on the regular day, if we were to just wake up, go to work, everything's fine, it's a normal day, our brains uh, give about 50 nanograms of dopamine. Now, if we take another example, of we wake up one day, we're feeling sick, we have to call out, uh, we're just really kind of in a rut, you know, you know, we got the flu or whatever it is, things are, you know, someone's cutting you off, traffic's bad, whatever it is, your dopamine level is at 40 nanograms. Now, take another example of one day, everything's going right. You're in line with the universe. You get a scratcher and you scratch it off and you win a good chunk of money. You know, uh, you get compliments at work. Your relationship is great. You had a fantastic meeting. You, you got a great sale. Now, at that time, your dopamine levels are at 100. Mm. Now, what happens to an addict when they pick up alcohol or drugs or gaming or porn? This is relevant. The the average dopamine level goes up to 1100 nanograms. Mm. So, what is that doing to our brains? It's hijacking our brains now to believing that the dopamine level needs to be over a thousand now. A hundred is not good enough. It's making us like it a lot. Yeah, of course, now we're addicted to the dopamine. And what does dopamine do? Mm. It makes us happy. It, it, you know, we're not emotional. We're, we're positive. Everything looks great. We're in this euphoric state of mind. And when we pick up an addiction that creates that, after a while, that addiction no longer serves the same level of dopamine. Um, with alcohol, with drugs, you know, I've had my time with drugs in the past um, where, you know, I just could not snort enough cocaine to give me that same high that it did when I first started. And now I was finding myself buying 10 times more yeah. what I used to do. And yeah. you're always chasing that high. Right. So because we're chasing the high, we're not allowing our minds, our brains to function and process emotions. If you're having a bad day, it's okay to have a bad day. Fuck it. Everyone has a bad day. If you're having right. a bad week, that's okay. You're mm-hmm. having a bad week. But the moment you start to use a addiction as a crutch to avoid the feelings, you're in the trap. Yeah. Yeah. It's only going to expand, isn't it? It's not going to, you know... You're not going to just sort of all of a sudden stop once it becomes. Exactly. You, become de- you become dependable on it. It just becomes part of, again, whether it's a bad habit or a routine. You do it often enough, enough of it. Here we are. And the interesting thing was that I found out with cross addiction, and I didn't know this. I really didn't know this. Um, what cross addiction does is not only does it replace your original addiction and and replaces it with something else that creates that same dopamine effect. Mm -hmm. But it also puts you in harm's way of going back to your original addiction. 
it creates your relapse, the likability of your relapse happening much higher to your original addiction. So now, let's say my pills were my addiction and I thought, okay, gaming, I'm just playing games. I'm not doing anything. I'm not over-medicating. I'm still getting my eight hours of sleep. But ultimately, then the gaming stopped giving me the same dopamine effect. And what did I know before that was? Oh, pills. Yeah. Or the sex uh, addiction. <clears throat> oh, look, there's, there's just so many. I'm reading here, Harvard Medical School examined 48 patients hospitalized for oxycodone addiction and found that 77% previously had a non-opioid substance use disorder. So, you know, but again, oh, yeah, it depends what you turn to, doesn't it? We've got well, it, that's the, it. Well, the thing is, the problem with the studies these days is that alcohol is studied, but gambling is not. Right. Not as much as alcohol. Well, but it, what ends up happening is the cross-addiction, the most common cross-addiction for alcoholics is gambling. I didn't know Right. It is. Yes, you're right. It's number one. I've got that but here. Because, but because gambling is not studied as much as alcoholism is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not considered a real-life cross-addiction. So mm. when alcoholics go for their sobriety and they go through the recovery, they go through the entire process of detoxing and everything, they're not taught to be aware of cross-addictions that may occur, that may disguise themselves as something to be productive. When I gave up my gaming, for example, I deleted all my games from my iPad and I said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm not spending any more time. I'm not spending any more money playing these games. Then I thought, okay, well, what would I refocus my energy to? I thought, okay, well, you know what? Let me get back into the marketing aspect of my business because I really love that. I have a very artsy right, you know, right uh, frontal cortex that is very creative. So I already had all the applications on my iPad to do the new marketing. Mm -hmm. But what did I end up doing? I then looked for new applications, premium packages, where I would now spend the same kind of money, but disguise it as something being productive. And that created that cross-addiction I wasn't even aware of. Mm. And because I wasn't aware of it, when people around me were pointing it out that, I think this is a cross-addiction, I would get defensive. I would say there's absolutely nothing wrong with me now focusing my time into work. So in the past uh, six months, that six months and counting that I have gone through my sobriety with all these addictions, I sought a addictions therapist because I thought I can't figure this out. Because mm. I mean... 40 years of life, I still can't get it right. There must be something I'm doing wrong. I can't trust myself. So I hired a addictions therapist who I brought this, uh, I brought the same story to his attention. And I said, look, this is what happened. I don't think it's a cross addiction because I'm doing something for business now. You know, this is going to make me income. And he he was very, very smart in the way that he approached it. He asked me the easiest way to find out if 
something is a cross addiction is number one, do you have to hide it? And I thought about it and I said, well, I didn't necessarily hide it, but I just didn't say anything about it. Mm -hmm. Well, he was like, that's the same thing. Right. You know, just because no one's asked you, but you haven't disclosed, it's the same thing. You're hiding it now. And then he said, second, did you end up, did it give you the same negative consequence as your gaming thing? For example, did you end up buying the same amount of premium package apps that you would have spent on your tokens or whatever it is mm-hmm. on your gaming? And I looked at my, that's when I looked at my credit cards and I looked at the transactions and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I, I, I probably spent twice as much. So there's so many things that we could do when we're trying to recover from an addiction is not only focus on the addiction or addictions we're trying to recover from, but also allow ourselves to seek the help that we need, whether it's a therapist or a family friend or a spouse, to really have that third person point of view because we're really not the best judge of character because we're now first overcoming one thing. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to gamble. I'm not going to gamble. But what am I doing on the other side? Is it something different? Am I in the, am I in a different environment than what I was with my addiction? For example, if you mentioned uh, when you were going through your sobriety with alcohol, food became a problem. So at that time, and food is one of the number one addictions that is not studied. It is the number one addiction that is not studied and is not considered an actual addiction where someone can go to rehab for, unless you believe me. The problem was at that time, you didn't know, well, I'm not drinking but I'm, I'm still craving the sugar. I'm still yeah. doing the thing. Okay, that's great. You could have done, yeah, you could have had the sugar. You could have had the overwhelming and sugar. But if you were still having the negative outcome that the alcohol was taking on you, now it wasn't alcohol, but it was food. Right. You can substitute that negative outcome with something else. Like we said, we, I don't like running either. I don't like working out either. Trust me. I have to be dragged into the gym. Literally, I am, I'm a homebody. I love to stay home. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't even want to go outside for a walk. But I always uh, look back at George Costanza from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And there was an episode where he decided to do everything opposite of what he was doing. And it changed his life for the better. Yeah, yeah. The Costanza method. So I now know I have to do the Costanza method. And one of the biggest Costanza methods was to do this talk with you. Because never would I ever have imagined myself coming clean, saying, yes, let me be a part of the community. Let me voice my, my experience. Hopefully it helps someone else out. I was a loner. I, I was in it for myself. Yeah. But 
now I did something completely out of character. And the more I continue to do those things, it's very uncomfortable. It's extremely uncomfortable. I find that the results are a lot more satisfying than what I've been doing in the past. Well, you know, and kudos to um, your wife. You're organically authentic, as she has taught all of us who rewired. And that's the thing. You're getting honest, and you've got to get honest in this journey. And, you know, it things change. They, they just do. And, I mean, good for you. You know, I'm glad that you are here and you are talking out. It is important. And, um, you know, if I talk to you again in a year, it's going to be, something completely different that we're challenged with, you know, down the track there and then. But so I, what I realized was with the eating, four times in my life I've put on a stack of weight and four times I've lost it and I'm back to this situation again. So it tells me there's something a lot, it's probably got more to do, like you said, that most of whatever it is has got back to the same traumas, the same issues, whatever it was, it's just sprouting off into different, you know, you're acting out in different ways, let's say. Yes. Yes. And sometimes the trauma is so, it, it's hidden so well oh. that we don't even know what the trauma is. I'm going through that with my yeah. addictions yeah. therapist because I told him, yeah, you know, I told him about my childhood, told him where I was born. I told him, you know, all the things that I can remember. And now there are other things that we're working on that is coming up that I had no idea was part of my trauma, mm. you know, and it helps. It's difficult. It's, it's very difficult because you're having to face things that you have tried to overcome and right. ignore for most of your life. But, you know, it, it Living an authentic life is not easy. You know, no. like you said, I have my wife being so um, so out there and being a part of the community and, mm. and striving. And it was hard for me to see her doing so well where I felt so many times where I couldn't catch up. And again, and I realized. There's those uh, things that we learn along the way, right? You were just about to pick yourself up that you don't compare yourself to her because you guys are on separate journeys, yes. separate things. Every single one of us, exactly. it's such a personal thing, isn't it? No one's yeah. the same. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, okay, giving us all something to start off with and say, okay, now make with it of your will and I'll see you in a year. Right. And right. you know what I mean? And we see yeah. where we're all at with what we've got. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's terrific. And she does, she's fantastic, contributes, so motivating. Love it a bit because that's, you know, the sort of background I've come from too. And I really like to play that supportive role as well. And I mean, you know, I just did a podcast just before with this morning, actually, with a couple of men from the community. And it's so good to hear from you guys. Like, we're all the same, you know. Yes, we are. It is, it is gender neutral. <laughs> gender neutral was the first thing we agreed on at the start of the podcast in sobriety and you know it's it's everyone's journey is different we go through the same thing but at it, it, different times so we get it we get it because we've either been through it or we're gonna we're gonna go through it but you know you know what i'm saying and then you said the levels of the pain the the, the longevity of what you've been through and it is interesting i'm like you when you get back to that 
It happens as a kid, but there was years like that three and four year age. How are we supposed to remember? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. mm -hmm. I want to know too. How do you find out? You know, like, and and it's not even it's. It, I found out that it is a ancestral pattern. So it's not just within your your time. No, yeah, no. It's not within your parents or your grandparents. This is something decades-driven, right? So this is something that we're doing now as mm. conscious, sober human beings. Is we're changing the ripple, the direction of the ripple that has been there for ages, and it's it's a big task to take on, mm. especially on top of our regular day lives. Mm. But if we're not able to do it, who is? You know, Spiegelman says, uh, if when you ask yourself, who am I to do this? Who are you not? Yeah, yeah. And look, primarily you're the first person who benefits and then you pass it on with those around you. It just happens organically. And that's the great thing about it. It is organic and it's a lifestyle. Like, um, you know, we talk about in, in Rewired, the fact that it's a whole soul makeover and it's anything that can be applied at any given time during your life. You can put it down, pick it back up, go away, go away for it, work on one thing this month and then give it a break and, you know, whatever speed, like everything else that you want to do, it really does not matter. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is, and I'm hoping that more men do get to go to therapy and more men are opening up. And we've talked about this this morning, even with, you know, I don't want to get too much into male suicide because I, we're not professionals or whatever like that. But, you know, if men do more of this and reach out more and everybody, if everybody just reach out more and I'm terrible at it too, I'm, got to say that you know you might just help yourself and a lot of other people and save yourself and a lot of other people as well you know because yeah. there's got to get rid of the stigma this word stigma i just don't like that word anymore about all you know, of it you know it's interesting you mentioned that because one of the talks that i listened to it's um it's interesting because he gave the definition of stigma the actual definition is that a mark of disgrace. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so it, 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 he, one of the, um, this is Scott McFadden that I listened to. He's a licensed addiction counselor on one of the TED Talks. And he said, it means you're no longer welcome in our community. You're no longer a part of our group. You're no longer a part of our family. So as addicts, we have that feeling, that stigma of we don't belong. And the longer we feel that way, the more uh, we disassociate ourselves from everyone else. Of course, yes. Because, and we, no, I was going yeah. to say, you're absolutely right. We know that we're all of a sudden, you know, having just even getting to the eventual point of understanding that you have an issue and it's a serious mm -hmm. one, then you then. We've got this, like you've just mentioned, mm -hmm. to deal with on top of it. Oh, yeah. it's all looking great, isn't it? I mean, it's it's daunting. It's daunting. Yeah, it is. And it's frightening and it's scary. And it's a long, you know, the long, yeah, it's a lot. It's And look, everybody has said to me, you're really brave doing it. 
And particularly because I had did, I, I drank for so many, so many years, and all my friends still do. But regardless of whatever, whatever tact you take, you know, it, it, who knows what will happen in two years? You could be on and off. Or who knows what's going to happen in life? But for right, right now, your body and your mind saying thank you, and we're, you know, you know, we're clean, and that's really nice. So we pray for today and hope for tomorrow, right? <laughs> You know, and, and absolutely, I agree with you. And the, the most beautiful part of sobriety is um, just the clarity. Yeah. Just the clarity, the ability to see yourself and be honest with yourself. It's tough at times. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when when I was doing the cross addiction, that was tough for me to see how is this something, an addiction where I'm doing something productive, but. Then when I became real with myself and I really looked at it, no, this is exactly the same kind of addiction. It's just a different mask it's wearing and it's not helping. Yes, people, you're not a a zirconia anymore. You're a beautiful diamond with carrots and clarity and color. Mm Because I always say that sobriety is like living in HD. And then, like you said, the clarity of it all, you know, it means you're worth more better value, just like a diamond. So you've become mm-hmm. diamonds now. It's fantastic. And, um, you know, it, 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 but the thing, this is what was crazy about, and I've discussed this with people before, is that this is normal for people who just don't partake. This is normal for people who've never, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do anything and just live life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I still get a pang of the, and I had it, a, a pang of the, I am so boring. Every now and again. And I know we're digressing, but I was just talking to the guys about this this morning, you know, and it gets back to just this is all part of it as you go along in the journey and as you learn, and maybe we're giving you, I'm giving you information before you need to know it. But, you know, you, it's it's about life, I guess, with anything you do. You need to stay vigilant, right, and always be yes. aware. Yes. And vigilance is, yeah, and it's a gentle vigilance. It's there. You've got the box mm-hmm. lid on. We're all good. But, you know, as you said, circumstances and environment and stresses, they're the big triggers. Oh, big time. For me. Big time. I, I've, um, since I've been part of the community, I've realized one of the most common um, aspects of uh, a relapse or a possible relapse is the environment hasn't changed. Right. And... I think it's very difficult for for some addicts that are trying to seek sobriety that may think to themselves that they're stuck in that environment, but no one's ever stuck. I had a life coach a long time ago tell me something and said, you're not a tree, you can move. So you don't have to stay in the same spot. And when you really think about it, it's true. It's just, the discomfort of change. Oh, it's true. I've heard the the tree theory and it goes a bit deeper than that and says, well, you know what? Even the wind makes the leaves blow and the the blowing is breathing like you're breathing. So you're still moving. You've always got movement as Mm -hmm. does a tree and its leaves and its branches. So yes, it's very, very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's very interesting to see how in our society now with, all the medical attention that we've had and that we're still not able to really guide uh, patients or people individually, where I think 
the most part for me, what's helped a lot is community. And, yeah. you know, thanks yeah, to Drifter. We're doing it ourselves. That's exactly right. We're doing yeah. it ourselves. I mean, thanks to Drifter. I mean, setting up the podcast, mm. I've listened to so many different podcasts on Sobertown and that people share different addictions that I didn't have, but listening to their stories and understanding what they had to go through and where they're at now and the difference that it's made just made me realize that, you know, addiction is addiction. doesn't matter what it is. Uh, so a sense of community really, really has helped. For me, uh, we've set up a, uh, a men's thread where we have more than 20 uh, members growing every single day that we're able to, to, as men, because we're not used to it, we're able to be there for each other and just like a brotherhood. And it's, it's very interesting to see that how easy it is for us to open up to each other. Where before I joined the group and I was kind of a spectator in the back, I really wasn't, you know, interacting. I was just listening to some stories and, you know, people would post things. But then once I got further along with it and we did the Zoom meetings, it just gave me a sense of community, which I never had. And it gives me this feeling of strength in the toughest times where I can actually go to the guys for help. I know. It's brilliant, isn't it? And it's a sense of belonging. You know, we just, I had this identical conversation in the previous podcast talking about men and Mm -hmm. I was talking about some stats that they do tend to isolate when they're in active addiction. They don't make friends as easier. And and we all know as we get older and we move, hence I've moved more times than I would just about my age, (laughs) so many times and you move around a lot, right? And if you're in transit, it makes it difficult, doesn't it? It really does if if you're moving around. So I get that. I get that totally, mm-hmm. totally, yeah. totally, totally, yeah. totally. So, yeah, I mean, on we go, across addictions, yes. And I've just lost my train of thought there. Remind me what we were talking about for a minute. This happens to people when your brain is unraveling. I like to do yeah. that to everybody. I, tell, I, I, I stop them and say, okay, where were we? <laughs> Make sure you're listening. <laughs> what were we talking uh, about? Yeah. Yeah, see, it happens to us. We get so involved in our sobriety that we just forget about everything else. But the common denominator we're talking about too, you know, you go to the meetings, everybody's there, you're talking about connection. That's what I was talking about with the boys this morning. We all agree with it and we say it all the time. The greatest thing is getting through, no matter what addiction you've got, because the beautiful thing about the I Am, that's what I was going to say, the beautiful thing about the I Am Sober community is not only does it have the alcohol um, yeah. counter but it has the other counters for all the other addictions that we've just mentioned Absolutely. right so if you do have multiple and you would like to deal with them it is possible or you can deal with them one at a time and again we're not specialists i'm just selling you what's out there this is just raw and unedited but that's so that is another helpful resource out there and that's oh, why yes. i wanted to mention that talking to you because you know then you've got the globe of people that are out there. And then again, like you said, trusting that group of men now that you've got to know just over Zooms and you've seen them 
And it's different again, whilst it's not physical, as you can still see people on Zoom, you can get a gist of what, you know, their energies and what they're about. Right. And a lot of the men now, I look at you all because I know you all individually, and I can imagine you together and I can imagine you opening up. And that there is like breaking down another wall. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's the beginnings oh, yeah. of something new again in 2022 that's going to be fantastic because we started the women's in 2021. And now... It's really taken off. The Telegram groups we've got, and, and your wife's got, I think, two or three herself. There's like 15 mm -hmm. groups of women, average of 10 in each. It's a lot going on. And we're finding more coming through. You yourselves will grow, find the same thing. And once you get over that, getting through the door, getting through the first meeting, saying, hi, oh, God, all these people know each other. Now I'm really scared. What do I have yeah. to do? Like, you know, you think it's all, you're going to have to get up and sing and sing and sing, uh, sing song and dance. You don't. It's but, not like that at all, people. And, and most importantly, you don't have to share the same um, addiction. Right. Right. You know, no. um, it, it doesn't matter because uh, that's one thing that was keeping me away from getting into groups was that I thought to myself, well, I don't share the same addiction. So I kind of feel like an outsider. And, but the more and more I showed up, the more and more I felt like um, the fact that we all had an addiction or multiple addictions was the, the common denominator that gave ourselves, like you said earlier, a sense of belonging. Yeah. Now the stigma wasn't there anymore. Now yeah. you're not. Now you are part of the family. You are part of the community. Um, you are able to uh, encourage each other or be encouraged or have someone to fall back on. And it's very interesting that you said on the I Am Sober app, I love it because of my multiple addictions, I'm able to go in between different ones in the same timelines and look to see what the common denominators are mm, and mm. like like we mentioned earlier i mean it's trauma it could be mm. any sort of trauma mm, that we really as as recovering uh i don't want to say recovering addicts but people rediscovering themselves we say that all the um, time again yeah. thanks to sober thief that one on your wife too <laughs> about the uncovering and discovery and yes, I mean, call it what you want, recovery. I mean, it's whatever, you know, you're comfortable whatever with. It is. Yeah. doesn't matter. But, like, mean, again, it's, it's your words, yeah. You're shedding your old self that yeah. really was not your old, your true identity. Now you're starting to find out who you really are, what right. makes you tick. And during that time, you're able to then, with the clarity and sobriety, you're able to see certain traumas that are taking place in your current existence in your life mm. that might have happened a long time ago but you were not able to see mm. in your addiction because it was numbing you yeah and look how many people right and i see it all the time i used to live in a place and they used to have a community center it was out my back sort of window and you see the balcony with everybody smoking but they were it was an na one right mm -hmm. 
So then, you know, it happens. People go to smoking. Some people go to eating. Some people go to health, which is great, the gym. But they can overdo that as well. And I've, I've been doing a lot of research too, like you said, TED Talks, YouTube. And they say mm-hmm. you can overdo any addiction. Chocolate, ice cream, it doesn't matter. Porn, whatever it is, you're gambling. Whatever. You want more of whatever it is, period, full stop, carrot cake, done. You know what I mean? Yes. Magnum, magnums, whatever it is. So what I said is true. I cannot moderate, period. And that's mm-hmm. what we're having to learn is how all of us, how to control that compulsion to say no. Now, alcohol, we have some tools. So now my thought is we should be able to apply that, right, to the other ones. So you're dealing with that. That's it. It's like compartments. I'll get around to it all. Just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to with this. Exercise, <laughs> food, gambling, porn, what's yeah. next? You know, like, but yeah. and, no wonder why they say it takes a while. But, you know, yeah, th- yeah this is what's, it's all unfolding and it will. You know, talk to you this time next year, you'll be like, as I said, something else will be, you'll be working on something completely different mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, still going along but some of these things we do enjoy and i you know i'm sorry but in australia we have poking machines everywhere and a lot of people have gambling problems drinking problems addictions addiction in australia is crazy we're we're a good time country for sure (laughs) but a lot of them now are having more alcohol free places which is nice can't find them here where i live there's nothing alcohol free but then i am in miami so end of story yeah um but I'm thinking that I'm thinking, all right, now I've got to take some of these tools and apply it to some of these other things because it is overwhelming to be able to work on everything at once. It really is. It really is. I mean, Ooh, Rome was a bill of the day. Um, <laughs> let's just hold those horses up. Hold on. Whoops. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> when they say work in progress, I'm like one of those old bloody cars that take about, you know, dad works and restores it for 20 years. That'll be me. <laughs> but I think, I think one of the beautiful parts about that, that restoration period is finding things about yourself that you never knew and sharing like sharing and learning from others that's what's the cool thing here it's sort of checking in with everyone all these global people that you've got now that you never knew and all these resources and all the things that they do and they know i mean as i always say you want to know anything get on i am sober (laughs) yeah no really i mean between the groups and the yeah the groups and the, um, the community, and they're very supportive because they've allowed us to, the I Am Sober community has allowed us to advertise the ladies in the men's Zooms, which is terrific because that is a source of how we're going to let people know and come in. And particularly we're trying a lot on the earlier days at the moment just to, you know, because it, it's tough those first couple of weeks. So, you know, we might be pushing it a bit with the invites, but we're getting a few out there and, and we're getting the attendance, you know. So, yeah, and, and a lot of the Zooms are increasing. We've increased another man's Zoom, as you said, I think on a Wednesday night, another ladies on a Tuesday. So, you know, it's all flexible and dependable because we, we're trying to keep the globe happy, aren't we, with all these connections. So, as I said, people listening, there's something out there for you. Absolutely. Just, and the resources and the Zooms and everything are all on Sobertown, rewired. There's even a, a little gold box on the front page down the bottom. You want to go to a Zoom, click that. Mm-hmm. You can do some wholesale, 
wholesale makeover. Okay, was there anything else you want to add before we, we get going? Because it's been a lot for just one hour. We're, you're welcome to come back and we, we talk more. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a pleasure. This yeah, well, we really we came to the yeah no, it's been great. It came to the conclusion, and I think this is absolutely right. This is exactly what Armin said that you know it's addiction. Period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, addiction. So, don't think you're going crazy because you've picked up something else, and now all of a sudden you're online and you've gone crazy. Now with you're shopping. Or like me, I thought I was Martha Stewart baking cakes or whatever it is you're doing, you know, and then eating eating the whole lot. Um, just concentrate on you, what's underlying, write it down. I think that I think that the journaling is a great thing too. Absolutely. That, and that's, that's a very good point because that's one of the uh, most recommended uh, activities in order to prevent a cross addiction is journaling. And so also to help with depression, right? Because it's, oh, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a personal soul thing mm -hmm. that you can write and burn. You but it's like therapy, just like the Zooms, right? The Zooms, right. the ladies and men's, it's like therapy, the smaller groups. It really is. It really is. And it's, it's better than therapy because uh, a lot of us are not as fortunate to find uh, therapists or, or specialists yeah. that have actually gone through their own addiction or that understanding i couldn't agree right. more it's better right. i agree right. with you i so could say something easier, but i won't <laughs> it's easier to go to a community of people that are going through the same things that understand what you're going through and they're not there to judge but to support which yeah. is one of the most beautiful things about this community yeah yeah and that's exactly what it's about and it, look for me and for some others it took time to find this community. I um, had looked around and I'd been, um, as I said, I'd been to AA before some years ago. I was forced to go. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't really know anything else. And it was actually somebody else who told me about the I Am Sober community. So if you're struggling, guys, it's a free app. Download it. You can get on. You'll be on in 10, 15 minutes and your life will change before you know it. And also check out, you know, us here, as I said, again, at Sober Town. Um, Armin, I want to thank you so much for joining me. It has been an absolute pleasure. You have thank so you. much to say, you and your wife, because you do a lot of this yourselves too. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, and we, maybe we can talk about that again. It might be a very interesting um, podcast to do again, having you and your wife back and doing it together as a couple, Absolutely. because that's a whole separate journey. Do you know what I mean? I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know of any other couple, to be honest with you, on the uh -huh. in the community that are doing uh -huh. it together. So that could be a, a beauty. All right. So people come back for that one. That'll be a that'll be a bonza. And um, yes, what we've, what our creator here at Sobertown Podcast says, pour the poison down the sink, guys. And please, just whatever you do, take care of each other, take care of yourselves and find yourself that community that works for you. And I will talk to you again on Sobertown. So take care, guys. And bye for now from King 13.